are tuned to the Nahum Siegel Network on jmandtheam.org and nahumsiegel.com. Stay tuned for JM Sunday with Matis Weingast. I'm not 
Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us here on JM Sunday. This is Matis Weingast bringing you a Sunday morning edition for Sunday, September 23rd, 2012, the seventh day in the month of Tishrei, 5773. Hope you're all doing well. The first JM Sunday of the brand new Jewish New Year. And I hope everyone had a good Yom Tov, a happy New Year, and are ready and set for this year ahead which hopefully will be a great year of health and happiness and success. Thank you for joining us this morning. We are uh, having, we're going to have a lot of things this morning coming up in just a few minutes, actually. And make sure you keep it tuned here. Uh, 7:15, Dr. Mark Singer will be speaking with us about the upcoming fast and how to handle yourself the day before, during the day, and very importantly after the fast in terms of what to eat and uh, and how to deal with different issues such as headaches and whatnot. Rabbi Goldwasser coming up at 7.30 with Morning Chizuk, right after Rabbi Goldwasser. Rabbi Chaim Nate Siegel, Rabbi of the New Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island, will be joining us to discuss the upcoming holiday of Yom Kippur. And uh, coming up at some point between now and 9 o'clock, most likely in the uh, 7.45 to 9 o'clock time frame, Rabbi Chaim Hagler, of the Brewery High School for Girls will be joining us and co-hosting with me this morning. So, uh, so we are we are packed full. We have a lot of music to play. Um, for those of you keeping track, Israel t- changed its time yesterday, so they are now only six hours ahead instead of seven. That will change when we change our clocks later on this year. London is five hours ahead, and uh, here at 7.07 in the morning on the east coast of the United States. We welcome you to JM Sunday. We're going to the music. Here is Shmakolenu for our friends down under. From the Live in Melbourne album, here is Shmakolenu.
That was music from the Diaspora Yeshiva you Band. You are tuned to the <laughs> Siegel Network. Yeah, no, sorry about that. You are tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. That is correct. And it is at Nachum Siegel, uh, NachumSiegel.com and uh, jmtheam.org. And we are with you on a Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Uh, the 23rd of uh, September, the seventh day in the new year of Tishrei, new month of Tishrei, new year 5773. Matta Swine guest here with you. Uh, as I said before, we just heard Vinemar from the Diaspora Yeshiva Band, Land of Our Fathers. Before that, Shema Kolenu with Shlomo Katz. More music coming up. Rabbi David Goldwasser at 730. And uh, we're going to go to the phone lines right now here uh, on uh, JM Sunday at 7.17 in the morning, East Coast time. It's 12.17 London time and uh, 2.17, I believe, is that right? 2.17 Israeli time. Uh, Israel is, no, 1.17. Israel is six hours ahead right now. And we are joined by Dr. Mark Singer. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Matez. How are you on this bright and early morning on the East Coast? I am awake. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Thank you for joining us this morning. Mark is a, um, a, a physician. His specialty is internal medicine and cardiology, and he practices in Long Island. And today we're going to spend a few minutes discussing the upcoming fast day of Yom Kippur. Mark, I hope your Rosh Hashanah was uh, off uh, to a good start at the beginning of the year? It was wonderful. As they say, shofar so good. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. And we heard the blowing of the shofar, and hopefully we will all hear the uh, shofar blast at the end of Yom Kippur uh, this coming uh, Tuesday, this coming Wednesday evening, rather this coming Wednesday evening. So, Dr. Mark, tell us, what would your suggestion be for uh, how to pace oneself on the day before Yom Kippur, in terms of eating. Well, let me back it up because it's really appropriate that we're starting about two to three days before Yom Kippur uh, today. And one of the most talked about ways in terms of preparing for a 25-hour fast are those people who are who drink a lot of caffeine. Uh, those people up at this hour may be familiar with the wonders of coffee. And 25 hours without caffeine, for those who drink it on a regular basis, can be very, can be very devastating. It is a well-documented phenomenon of the caffeine withdrawal migraine. And there are usually two approaches to take to avoid that. Approach number one would be to slowly but surely wean one off coffee. So if you usually have two to three cups starting today, cut back by at least one-third to 50%. Of course, the other approach for those people who really like their coffee, you have a cup of coffee immediately before the fast and a cup of coffee immediately after the fast, and you should get by with only 25 hours without coffee, without too bad of a headache. And that's for people who drink, you said, two to three cups on the average a day. Probably. I mean, if you, one cup you might be able to get away with, with it just without coffee for, for the entire fast. Okay. So that would be starting now, probably starting on Tuesday. Um, without uh, being Talmudic, you know that it is a question of one of the ninth 
of Tishrei versus the tenth of Tishrei in terms of how to approach Yom Kippur, and it is a mitzvah to eat the day before Yom Kippur, both to enable you to observe that day properly and so you can observe Yom Kippur uninhibited. And observe meaning to actually go through the appropriate uh, Inu Yim uh, afflictions. And so you approach it the day before by making sure you have the right foods so that going through the entire day hungry and dehydrated will not happen. Let's talk about how to best do that on the day before Yom Kippur. Number one, drink, drink, drink. You should drink at least a cup of water. If you have eight cups a day, you should increase that by 50% to at least 12 cups and try to drink at least a little bit every two hours a day before the fast. So water is the best form. Caffeine is not very good. Soda or sugar are not very good. The reason for that is you lose those fluids from the body very quickly. And you want to be able to hold on to it. Now, fortunately, the way the weather forecast looks, it should be easy fasting weather, please God, on Wednesday. Um, so it's important to keep up on your fluids. Everyone always asks me, what are the best foods to eat before Yom Kippur? Number one, try to avoid things that have salt. Salt will only make one even more thirsty on the day of the fast, if you're having salt beforehand. Uh, same would obviously hold through with a lot of spicy foods. Should you have protein versus carbohydrate? Uh, protein being things like meat, which we always like to have, uh, fish, eggs, things like that, versus carbohydrates. The more complex the carbohydrate, the longer they take to break down the body, the more they'll provide energy on a slow basis. So things like pasta, spaghetti, cake, uh, bread, cereal, things along those lines. So the idea of serving chicken soup was actually a very good idea. Mom was 100% correct. <laughs> this way you have the liquid from the soup, you have the canadal, which will provide energy over a prolonged period of time, and the body will slowly break down the carbohydrates so you'll have energy throughout the fast. That's probably the best way to approach the fast in general. Try to eat a lot during the day. Try to pace yourself during the day. The one thing you don't want to do is just grab everything immediately after. Now, there's a running joke I have with many patients, and they say, well, I'm going to lose weight over Yom Kippur, and I turn to them and I said, only observant Jews are able to gain weight with a 25-hour fast. <laughs> How is that possible? You wind up eating way too much beforehand of all the wrong foods, and psychologically, knowing that you have not eaten for 25 hours, immediately after Yom Kippur, you start grabbing everything. Well, it's a known fact that your stomach, after a long fast the way we have it, is actually shrunken. It's contracted. It's smaller. It's much easier to fill up. So when you come out of the fast, you just work backwards. Number one, the first thing you should probably break your fast on would be some form of liquid. And again, if you're tired, which in all likelihood you are from being in shul most of the day, have something that has a little bit of sugar in it to keep you going so you can go out and build your sukkah. Um, so some form of juice is always good. A fruit juice is what I recommend. Um, orange juice, 
etc. Number two, you can go back to have a little bit of carbohydrate and build up on protein, but don't eat too much. Um, I had a teacher when I was at Yeshiva who used to say the one thing you used to do is to grab food and keep on eating right after Yom Kippur, and that's how you really appreciate making a bracha because that's when you're the most hungry. Absolutely not. Have a little bit. Realize that you're full. Uh, food is also very good, by the way. Uh, we have the Minahag of my house with the cantaloupe or honeydew to start off a sweet year. It has both the amount of sugar that you need, the amount of liquid that you'd want to build up energy, and then stop. You want to go back and have a little bit of fish, something relatively light. You don't want to have anything too heavy. By the way, the same thing goes on your Sudam second the day before. Try not to eat anything too heavy. That will only make you tired. When one does eat a big meal, your uh, blood flow goes through the GI tract and goes away from the brain. That's pretty much the best way to approach a, a long fast. Be prepared for it both on both sides of the fast, going into the fast and coming out of the fast. And this way, the concentration that you have during the day is not on how many hours until you can eat or drink, but on what you should be doing over the course of Yom Kippur. Depending on where the uh, where we are located, the fast starts at different times. But generally, we would be eating the meal before the fast earlier than we would normally eat our dinner, for the for the most part. Uh, about how many hours after the fast starts would most people uh, begin to feel the effects of the fast in terms of the hunger, where they're expecting food, their body's expecting food, and they don't have it yet? Excellent question. Usually you won't realize it until the next morning. You'll be eating a decent-sized meal going into the fast. You'll be in chul for a couple of hours. And again, depending on the time of the year, and where you obviously where you're located, Nahum Siegel Network being worldwide, probably about 9, 10 o'clock, you'll be saying time to go to sleep. And by that hour, having eaten three to four hours beforehand, you won't even notice it. When you wake up, and the human body, the humans are, are creatures of habit. We're used to having something when we wake up in the morning. Uh, if you're used to having that cup of coffee, if you're used to having that glass of juice when you wake up, that's when we'll begin to notice it. It'll be a little bit bothersome, but hopefully you won't be feeling pangs of hunger, probably not until mid-morning or late morning. It, and if, I'm and sorry, go on. I was going to say that's when little kids begin to get uh, the most, be, who are fasting from the point of view of an education, they'll begin to notice it about right after breakfast time when they're u- most used to eating. Um, two, two questions. Uh, if somebody does get a headache or doesn't feel well on Yom Kippur um, from uh, hunger pangs, is there anything that they could do? Is there any way that they could you know, relax, uh, breathe differently to let it pass? Yom Kippur is a toughie because you don't have the ability to wash up. Hopefully you'll stay indoors in a very cool area, not move around too much. Realize that you want to limit the amount of energy you expend because in so doing you burn up calories. Um, there are other ways that one could try to take medication. Uh, ask your local rabbi about medication, how to best take it. Some people allow pills. Some people allow pills be put into the body, not by mouth. Uh, and there are all sorts of things on the market that will allow uh, slow 
delivery of medication over the course of the day. Uh, one important factor, if you take medications on a regular basis, please consult your doctor about what medications you need to cut back or adjust if you're not eating. This applies to diabetics who are on medications to lower their sugar. This applies to patients who take water pills, for example, because of heart disease. If they're not eating or drinking, that those need to be adjusted. All right, that's, that's extremely important, and, and coming from you, uh, I hope it hits home because there are many people who feel that uh, they can regulate the medication themselves. They, they figure that, okay, if they miss a day, it's not such a big deal, and that's just not the case, especially for certain medications which must be taken each day. Uh, so it's very important that uh, people not do the doctor's jobs and not do the rabbi's jobs, but that they consult with their doctors and consult with their rabbis uh, in the best way of uh, making sure that they remain healthy on Yom Kippur. Otherwise, it defeats the purpose. Totally. It's the day that we pray for life, and we don't want to uh, hasten the opposite effect. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Dr. Mark Singer, for joining us this morning. I uh, wish you and your family a uh, happy new year, a Shana Tova, and an easy fast, and a uh, good Yom Tov. And to you and to your entire family and the entire JM and the AM network. Thank you very much. That was Dr. Mark Singer here on JM Sunday. We thank him very much for joining us, and uh, we are going to go right now to Rabbi David Goldwasser. Rabbi Goldwasser's words are Lezecha Nishmas Harav Zev Barab Yosef Halevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We learn in the Medrash, Yisrael Afal Pishen Chotin. Even though the Jewish people may go astray, Hashem cares for them as a loyal shepherd tends to his flock. The Maharzav comments that so too Hashem searches to find merit for Klal Yisrael, and with that merit we are judged favorably. A merchant once came to Reb Shraga Feivel Frank. He wanted to borrow a large sum of money for a certain period of time. Reb Frank graciously consented. However, when the loan came due, the merchant didn't repay. Rav Frank, as was his custom, didn't confront the merchant to claim payment. Weeks passed, and Rav Frank found himself in need of money. His wife recalled the large loan he gave to the merchant. She said, why don't you go to him? His situation greatly improved. The Rebbitson went herself to speak to this merchant. She was shocked when the merchant defiantly refused to return the money. The Rebbitson returned home, visibly upset. Rav Shraga Feivel, with great effort, calmed her down. Time went by, and that very same merchant returned to the Frank residence, not to pay back the old debt, but to request an additional loan. He promised to repay both loans simultaneously on a specific date. Rav Shraga Feivel was stunned by the audacity of this merchant. He told him he would have to get back to him with an answer. When he related the experience to his wife, she said, how could you think about lending him more money after the way that he conducted himself with such chutzpah? I doubt he's going to pay either loan back. Rav Shraga Feivel answered her, truthfully, are we any better than him? Every year we stand in judgment before Hashem. We ask Hashem, please forgive our averis, forgive our sins. We ask for slich and mechila, for pardon and forgiveness. We promise Hashem we're going to return to Him completely, even though we don't really deserve Hashem's forgiveness, since we didn't repay our own loans. We still come back every year 
We say we're going to change, and Hashem does listen to our cry. Even though year in and year out, despite all the promises, we continue to revert to our former ways. At this time, the merchant really wholeheartedly intends to repay all the debts. If so, we are obligated to fulfill his request. This year, may we all be privileged to do tshuva shlema, complete repentance, and may we merit a year of brochen hatzlocha, blessing and success in Besurus Tovos for Klau Yisrael. in the morning here on JM Sunday. Matis Weingast with you. The seventh day in the month of Tishrei, 5773. The 23rd day in the month of September, the year 2012. I'm with you on uh, the Nachum Siegel Network, nachumsiegel.com, jmandtheam.org. My thanks again to Dr. Mark Singer, who joined us before to talk about the uh, upcoming Yom Kippur holiday and uh, how to best handle the fast. And right now, I am very uh, pleased to welcome to the air our voice of today. Uh, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we had a voice in Israel, from Israel, from Petach Tikva. And today's voice comes from Staten Island. It's my uh, pleasure and honor to welcome to the airwaves Rabbi Chaim Nate Siegel, Rabbi of the New Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island. Good morning, Rabbi Siegel. Good morning, Rabbi Matis. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you this morning? Um, thank you for joining us to discuss Yom Kippur. A couple of points uh, that uh, I'd like you to uh, touch upon. Uh, there's a common, I think, misconception among many people that Yom Kippur is a sad day. And it's not a sad day. It's a solemn day. But it's definitely not a sad day. It is a Yom Tov. Am I correct? Matis, Yom Kippur is a day that uh, all Jews in many ways become alike. We separate ourselves from all the differences that uh, cause us issues during the year. We remove all physical 
burdens from ourselves, how we eat, how we dress, how we look. Uh, we're thirsty. We're all the same. It, in many ways, it's a, it's a very special thing in the sense that we all understand that we're all about the Shama, about the soul. And that's a very beautiful thing. Absolutely. And um, when you as a rabbi are in the, uh, in the shul, what do you look forward to on Yom Kippur? What is the most uh, meaningful part of the day? Uh, what is uplifting to you as the rabbi of a shul? Well, obviously there's personal things, but as a rabbi of a shul, you're happy to see people that are involved in a very simple thing, trying to become better, trying to understand who they are, thinking about themselves and their priorities and their position in the world as a Jew rather than forsaking all of those things in the course of the rest of the year. There are many Jews that come to Shul Rosh Hashanah and Kippur that are not regulars, as we say. This is an opportunity to turn them from a two-, three-day-a-year Jew into a Jew that will show up on a, on a Shabbos, on a weekday, that understands that Shul is a home. You look very seriously into trying to find ways to to make it comfortable enough for them to realize what the purpose of the day is. For somebody coming to shul, maybe not that often, uh, what would you what would you suggest to them that they focus on Yom Kippur? Is there any particular part of the davening that they could spend some time uh, reading, understanding, and uh, and getting some spiritual uplifting from? Listen, Matis, everybody has their own their own desires, their own feelings. It's extremely important to give them the tools that they need to decide where they want to involve themselves. For some people, Nisanatikus is just a tremendous wake-up call to what's happening. Shmona Esrei's of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur the ability to look at, a, at, a, at an art scroll machser and see a commentary, to understand that the words are not just some foreign language that, you know, we're just saying we have no idea what we're talking about, but to start to see the words as, as alive, with meaning and everything, whichever part of the davening a person, for some, whatever reason, pinpoints as something important. That's, that's what they have to do. It's certainly uh, a highlight of the uh, of the day, I'm sure for you and for others. There is uh, the various times that you get to speak to the congregation, uh, and uh, I say that a little bit in tongue in cheek because I'm sure that although you know it's it's important, you don't necessarily look forward to it as much. But uh, and depending on on the um, depending on the time of day, I don't know how much the congregation looks forward to speeches, so, and I'm sure it's a very difficult thing. So from your perspective as a shul rabbi, uh, what do you look, to, what try, what message do you try to get across, and how do you know when you have achieved that message? Listen, it's, uh, that's a, the, the last part of your question is a very difficult one to answer. How do you know you achieved the message? If you speak about uh, coming to his coming regularly to shul and somebody comes regularly, then obviously you have a feeling that maybe you achieved your message. But, uh, but everybody looks at things differently. I have 
I have people that tell me that a, a sermon that I said 25 years ago, they still think about it. Now, I, I don't know what it means they still think about it. So they think about it, they have warm feelings about it, but did it achieve anything? I don't know. You know, every, everybody, every action that takes place in the course of Rosh Hashanah and Kippur has the ability to affect someone's life. The Chazan has the ability to affect someone's life. When a Chazan is davening and he comes to the end of Nehila and he breaks down and sobs during Shema Yisrael, Hashem Al-Kenu, Hashem Al-Kod, somebody is standing there and saying, here is a, a person in my shul that happens to be Malcolm Siegel. Here is a person that is radio personality, a strong person, a tough-looking person, tall and, and robust and everything. And, then, and here's a person breaking down like a baby in front of hundreds of people. So that has a tremendous effect on people. A rabbi gets up and he tells something over. It's a voice that maybe, you know, half the place doesn't understand or doesn't want to think about. There is is not looking at it through uh, rose glass, rose-colored glasses, but the rabbi, but somebody is affected by it. Every action that takes place, the person you dive next to, if you hear a, if you hear a heart breaking, or, or somebody pouring out his heart, and the person's next to you, and you say, well, well, what's the story with this guy? I mean, is there such a thing as such a close relationship with God that you just break down, and all of a sudden you yourself start to do it. So every action, the way somebody says hello, the way somebody says goodbye, the way somebody davens, if you talk to somebody and he doesn't respond. So the person says, oh, the davening is much more important than a regular conversation. Well, all of a sudden, the person looks at things differently. So every person has the ability to affect every other person in the building by the way they act, by the way they daven. <laughs> the rabbi and the chazan may have more of an opportunity because they're uh, you know, front and center in more ways, but everybody has that ability. And it certainly seems that the realization comes at some point that the conversation taking place is between the individual and God uh, and Hashem, and uh, that's one of the uh, focus of the day is to get that introspection and uh, allow that to come forth. Thank yes. you, Rabbi. Uh, we wish you a Gemach um, Simatova, a good year, a, an easy fast, a good Yom Tov, and we thank you very much for joining us here on JM Sunday. Matis, I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity, and I want to wish you, who is a very dear friend of our of our entire family and your entire listening audience, Gemach good year. Be well, Matis. Thank you very much. That was Rabbi Chaim Nate Siegel from the New Springville Jewish Center, Rabbi of the New Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island, and we thank him again for joining us here on JM Sunday. We're going to go to some music, and then I believe that we will be joined by my co-host, Rabbi Chaim Hagler, who will be here to, uh, well, we'll talk about a bunch of things here on JM Sunday.
music, uh, music by Baruch Levine. Music by Baruch Levine here on JM Sunday. It is 7.50 in the morning. Mata Swine guest with you. The 23rd day in the month of September 2012, the seventh day in the month of Tishrei in the year 5773. I'm joined by my co-host this morning, Rabbi Chaim Hagler, assistant principal of Berea High School for Girls, a resident of Elizabeth, and a friend. Good morning, Rabbi Hagler. Good morning, Matis. How are you? Baruch Hashem, doing well. Uh, happy New Year to you. Chasibu Chasim Thank you, Sam. Hope your uh, Rosh Hashanah went well. Baruch Hashem, very well. I understand you're out of town usually on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Is that, is that, that right? is correct. Very in town, but out of town. To out what, of Elizabeth. To what, uh, to what area do you head? That for, remote so. area of Kew Gardens Hills in Queens. Kew Gardens Hills. And you are a uh, Baltfila there? Correct. There? Okay. Oh, that's good. So, so far, so good. So far. Baruch Hashem. What do you, what, one more day to go. What do you, what do you uh, dive in uh, for the Yomud? For Rosh Hashanah, actually, we actually had an interesting uh, lineup. We switched off. The first day I dive in Shachar, the second day I dive in Musaf. So everyone got a taste of every, everybody for everything. By the way, everyone, uh, for future reference, after the 8 o'clock hour, notice the language that Rabbi Hagler just used. For the line, lineup, they switched off. That'll, remember that because <laughs> one of Rabbi Hagler's other... Uh, I shouldn't even put it in the same category. What are my Hagler's uh, hobbies, if you will, is uh, is a certain sport. Yes, so I apologize. Please go on. No. So, um, and then for Yom Kippur, I'm going to be davening um, Musaf and Ni'ilah, while the other person will daven Kol Nidre and Shachras and Mincha. So you don't get too much time between Musaf and Ni'ilah. Right. Well, so, I hope, actually, I hope I will get well, some time. Right. It all depends on me. Isn't it, right. Isn't it true, though? We had uh, some people on last week's show, Mark Zamek, who's a Baltfila, talking about the davening. Uh, isn't it basically true that it's all up to the Baal Shachras? Yeah, no, that, there, the, there, there's a lot to that in terms of setting the tone and setting. But you know what? Whoever whoever people want to talk about taking the long time, they'll, they'll say it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. And do you have a, some type of break in the, in the middle of the day? Uh, this is actually the most? first time that I'm in this shul, but based on the way Rosh Hashanah worked, I'm sure we will have uh, a good two-hour break for sure. Wow. Very nice. Actually, as a chazan, it, it works out well to get a little bit of, a, of that uh, that time off. Right. Can you need anything but uh, at least you're resting your voice somewhat? When I was younger and I was in Eretz Yisrael after, after high school, so I was the Balkore for uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur Mincha, if uh, people can recall... Uh, Yom Kippur Mincha basically starts with Kriyasa Torah, right. and I we had a break. We had about an hour break, and I took a little nap. And uh, year number one, my madrich is banging on my door <laughs> to wake me up. They're waiting for me to start Mincha. Wow! And year number two, when I went back to Shenabet, we joked about it, and the same thing <laughs> happened. I kid you not. That's a true story. And they didn't have a backup uh, the second year? <laughs> the second year they did. Okay. I came in, and someone had leaned the first Aliyah, as a ah, matter of fact. Wow. And, then, and then I came in and... Well, you don't have to worry about that this time. And for Musaf, I assume that you're going to be there on time. Yes. Uh, of course. And, and for Neela, you uh, you set a certain time frame. Uh, I, I believe, again, Mark said this last week when he starts Neela, one of the major things he thinks about, actually, is the congregation because he knows that they're expecting that Yom Kippur will end at a certain time because it has been a long day. And they are looking to the Chazan, to the Baltfila, to to set that time frame. Right. There's no doubt about that. There is something uh, contradictory almost uh, about about that time, meaning it's it's the highlight spiritu- spiritually 
you know, Ni'ilo, or getting that last opportunity to talk to Kaddish Baruch, or that last time to get all our heartfelt uh, sentiments in. Yet, as you mentioned, it's been a very long day, and we've been in shul, so there is that, uh, what's the word, I'm looking at paradoxical uh, relationship, if you will. Um, but for me, when it comes to Ni'ilo, um, I think that I've always managed, you know, over all the course of the years when I've davened, I have managed to fit in whatever I needed to fit in. Whatever time was given to me, I got it done and got it done and ended on time. As you get towards the end, if you need to slow down a little bit, you slow down a little bit. If you need to speed up a little bit, you speed up a little right. bit. Because it's one of those things where, you know, if you come up short, then, then all of a sudden everyone's sitting around for, for five minutes. Okay, now what do we do? And if you're too long, then everyone <laughs> is upset that you – so you got to be – it's one of those times you got to be just right. Right. Right, suddenly all the Avina Makenus seem to be said out loud. That's right, exactly. Uh, it is JM Sunday, 7.54 in the morning. I want to say hello to listener Varda out in Hillcrest. Thanks for listening this morning, and thank you to all our listeners here in the United States, around the world. You know that Israel changed its time yesterday. Oh, it was yesterday. yesterday. Isn't, last isn't night? that beautiful? That's what you can do when you're a Jewish country. Yom Kippur is coming. That's when we're going to change the time. It has nothing to do with anything else. We're going to make Yom Kippur just, just that much easier. It's beautiful. Not everybody was so happy about it, apparently. Oh, is that the, true? Uh, things. Yeah. Cause What's the in, downside? In the general, uh, I, I guess in, in some other aspects of, of the general population, it's not just from Kippur, obviously, that is affected. It is uh, having daylight saving time come in earlier, and that, I guess, has some effect on different uh, parts of the uh, community, uh, different parts of the, the economy. Uh, over the course of many weeks, not just the one or two days. But for Yom Kippur, yeah, it's a great thing. We can't change it here, though. We just all go on camp time for, for that time. <laughs> Yom Kippur, right. Uh, Rabbi, uh, mentioned earlier that you're the assistant principal at Berea High School for Girls. Uh, unfortunately, uh, right before uh, Shabbos, uh, the uh, Berea community, the Elizabeth community, and uh, I dare say worldwide Jewish education, uh, especially for uh, females, uh, took a hit and uh, suffered a loss with the passing of Mrs. Chaya Newman, who had been the longtime principal of the Berea High School for Girls, where you are now, and someone that uh, was known, is known worldwide uh, because of the thousands of students who graduated from Berea, who, um, who were under her mentorship, and she had a tremendous impact on the world of Jewish education. Uh, one of the things that Nachum always mentions is that, um, in terms of the radio show, she once said that uh, having JM in the AM uh, makes listening to Jewish music cool again. Right. And it was uh, it's a profound statement, a very amazing statement, and uh, it was certainly a very terrible loss. Uh, did you have the opportunity to work with Mrs. Newman in your time at uh, Berea? I did. Um I like to say, unfortunately, um, when, by the time that I came, she was uh, not the principal. She did have a – in my first year there, she still had a major impact in terms of being head of school. Um, and then slowly, she, she, her time in Berea was, uh, was lessened, and she started taking on some, some work for Torah Masora, which she did some amazing things there as well. Um, but I did have some opportunity. My first year, we definitely interacted a lot. And uh, I, I remember clearly, I remember her coming into my classroom. And, of course, no matter how long you've been teaching, when someone comes into your classroom to observe you, you get nervous. Of course. Um, and, um, and here I was. I was already uh, part of the administration, but she was, uh, she was observing me. And she was really observing me for one reason only, and that was to help me improve. And uh, there's, a, there's a book out there called The Perfect School, which talks about uh, exactly the, what the title says, 
you know, thinking you have the perfect school. And basically the point of the book is that once you think you have the perfect school, you're in trouble because uh, then you stop working on things and you stop improving. And that's why as an educator, I'm, I'm glad I welcome the opportunity for someone to come into my classroom and to give me some constructive criticism. And Mrs. Newman was incredible. Um, she, of course, she did the, 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 uh, the script where she where she told me some of the positive things that I did first, which is what every good educator does first. Um, and then she gave me one or two pointers that were just incredible and just so insightful and was just uh, certainly uh, just a little piece of the things that she was able to do. I just uh, on, I received an email just the other day um, about uh, some girls, some uh, past students who were writing uh, different things about Mrs. Newman, and one particular girl who uh, I did have uh, occasion to teach talked about she was starting school in Breweria in 10th grade, and therefore she really had two first days of, of high school, which of course are extremely difficult uh, to go through, and apparently on her first day in Breweria, Mrs. Newman, uh, in her wonderful style, had placed a donut with a note uh, for her saying, uh, first, first days are difficult uh, come at the end of the day and tell me how it went. Wow. So that's uh, – so I, I actually uh, – I didn't know that. I read that, and I said, that is brilliant. I said, I just took something away from that. That is something that I will remember, and I will try to emulate. Uh, and, you know, made, I, I do try to reach out to students who are new in the school, but it, I never thought about it, you know, quite that way the first day, which is so, so difficult. Um, and, of course, her professionalism, one of the things I always said, as Mrs. Newman was not in Berea as much, was I – I wish I had a chance to work with her 10 years ago, you know, 15 years right. ago when she was in her heyday and really building up Berea to, to that world-renowned school where there are people coming from all over the place uh, to be part of the Berea uh, student body. I imagine because of the time that she was out of Berea, most of the girls that are there now, there are very few girls that probably know her. Uh, I'm sure many of them know of her. But even that is is probably not as many as right. No, you know, correct. As a matter of fact, there was some discussion about whether we should um, have buses going to the Leviah, mm -hmm. and that was exactly the thought that these girls were not connected to Mrs. Newman. As a matter of fact, that morning I asked my 12th graders um, in class whether they they felt they had a connection with Mrs. Newman. And most of them most of them said by the time they were freshmen, they do remember her sitting in on some classes. Mm -hmm. But not much more than that. Um, but certainly there were, there were former students who were older uh, who were at the Leviah. And, of course, in the, uh, at the Leviah, time and time again, the theme of Mrs. Newman's impact on Chinuch and on Chinuch Habanos um, certainly came up uh, many times. And, uh, really, she was a pioneer. She was it's just doing things that, were, that weren't done at the time um, and in a way that was not, you know, in your face but was really – educational and was really all about the girls and about Klal Yisrael, and, and uh, she was a very, very special lady. And her daughter uh, continues her legacy. She, we work together. She's the associate principal in Berea. That's Mr. Shlomo Spikas, and our condolences go out to yes. Mrs. Spikas, who is actually currently in, in Eretz Yisrael, um, and uh, is a very talented woman as well and has taken much from her mother and continued. Absolutely. Uh, I did read uh, about the... Uh the Levi in Israel, it, uh, they were going over there. I believe it was going to be this morning, uh, Israel time, so that, that already happened a few hours ago. I imagine that uh, any girls who are spending, uh, who are now in Israel, who have made Aliyah, who went to Berea, who are there, probably made the uh, 
the effort to be able to go there and certainly will pay their condolences. Uh, it's, uh, it, it is amazing to have known someone for that many years uh, and see the, uh, the impact that one person can have. And obviously the school is filled with administrators, teachers, support staff, uh, but yet you have to have a leader who has a vision, and she certainly had that vision and was able to bring it to, uh, to fruition within the, uh, within the Berea School, within the JEC school system. Uh, certainly uh, credit to uh, Rabbi Tights for, uh, for, for having her as part of the uh, administration there. Uh, and uh, I remember when I was in elementary school, I believe when she started, I remember meeting her a few times. She would come over to JEC. And uh, she was just a, an amazing person, full of energy and right. very, you know, very nice, very kind, very friendly. And uh, it, was, it was great to, to speak with her and interact with her. So we wish condolences to everyone. It's, uh, it's, it's not a, uh, the best news we want to hear at all, uh, beginning a new year. And we hope for, uh, you know, for better news in the future. Amen. It's 8.03 in the morning here on JM Sunday. Mata Swine guest with you with the co-host, Rabbi Chaim Hagler. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. We're going to be here until 9 o'clock on the east coast of the United States. We're going to hear some music now. This is Menucha with Avinu Makenu here on JM Sunday.
Menucha with Avino Makenu here on JM Sunday. Matis Weingas with you. My co-host, Rabbi Chaim Hagler, is joining me this morning. Good morning again, Rabbi Hagler. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. To the second hour of the show, 8.09 on the East Coast. Uh, Israel is six hours ahead now because of the change. So that is uh, 2.09, is that right? 2.09. In London... In London, uh, our friends in London are at uh, 109. So, uh, and, and in Australia, I don't know what the time is. <laughs> I just day ahead. No idea. California, it's 509. So, you know, we have we have listeners all over the world, and we thank you for listening. Uh, a shout out to listeners David and uh, Rochelle from Kew Gardens Hills. Thank you for listening this morning. You can uh, always go to the archives if you missed part of the show, uh, including a uh, Dr. Mark Singer, who spoke about Yom Kippur and how to properly uh, fast from a medical perspective, uh, or Rabbi Chaim Nate Siegel from the New Springville Jewish Center, who spoke about Yom Kippur. If you missed any of those segments, or Rabbi Goldwasser, or just want to hear the show again, you can go to the archives, nachamsiegel.com, and I believe it's under JM Shows. You can find JM Sunday. This is our third show. I can't believe it's a, a new year, new shows, a new stream. Nachum Siegel Network, as you know, uh, kicked off a few weeks ago. Unbelievable. And uh, great programming. Today at 9 o'clock, I want to let everyone know, remind everyone that uh, Charlie Harari will be on with an encore presentation of the Book of Life. Uh, the Stunt Show, encore presentation. Uh, I believe Mayor Fertig was on, yes. Saturday Night Siegel, last night's uh, show with Executive Assistant Avrami, will air at 11 o'clock. That's Life at 1 p.m. today with Miriam L. Wallach. Something to talk about at 2 p.m., and the OU presents The Jewish Reaction with Rabbi Steve Berg at 3 p.m., all encore presentations of shows. We start the day with this live show. We are live. We are live. Coming from the uh, northern New Jersey, uh, no, central New Jersey uh, studios of the Nachum Siegel Network. can be heard on jmtheam.org.org, nachumsegel.com, and uh, we are live. Now, after the uh, OU show... At Rabbi, Rabbi Berg's show, beginning at 4 p.m., is the Amazing Music Mix. And there's live programming throughout the week. Uh, live lunch, I'm not sure if there's going to be a live lunch. I don't know why there wouldn't be, but I'm not sure. You can listen tomorrow morning at JM. The AM Nachum will uh, fill you in on the programming for the week. Live lunch is usually on Tuesday with ZK. Uh, of course, this week, Wednesday, being Yom Kippur, Yossi's Zweig will not be presenting the Z Report. And uh, I believe Nachum will be back with live lunch and a full uh, schedule on Thursday of uh, original programming on the stream. One of your, Rabbi Hagler, one of your uh, uh, pastimes or enjoyments uh, from the non-rabbinic side or non-educational side is uh, your enjoyment of uh, baseball. Indeed it is. Uh, and especially, I believe that you're, if I, if I know correctly, and I'm not a sports person, uh, so everybody cringes if I talk about sports, but you're a Yankees fan. <laughs> I am indeed. Uh, and uh, yesterday, Shabbos trumps a game, so you don't get to see it. <laughs> and, uh, the only thing you could do is maybe hear about it after Shabbos is over it, or watch, watch it, it on, the encore. on the encore. Uh, but it was a uh, remarkable game. 14 innings. Unbelievable. Uh, took uh, six hours, like the length of two games. That's right. In time, the length right. of nearly two games put together. And the Yankees, how'd they do? They won. Woo. Yet again, and they need to be winning because the uh, Orioles, who are one game behind them, are uh, continuing to win as well. Now, uh, 
How does it go? I don't. I don't. Yeah, I know this. The, so actually, the, this year it's, there's brand, some brand new things. Yeah. Be, you know, casual baseball fans might not be aware that for the first time ever, there's going to be a second wild card in each league. But that wild card plays against the other wild card in a one-game playoff in order to advance to the real playoffs. Wow. So, so if if the Yankees remain on top. Which you certainly hope that they do. Yeah, certainly do. That automatically takes them. They don't need to play a wild card right. game. But if they are second, if whichever team, for instance, the Orioles, if they're if they're second, they have to play a wild card to even get in. Right. In other words, the the, the uh, issue that they were addressing was when they had one wild card and three division winners, then there was no difference between winning your division and winning a wild card. So they wanted to give more chashivas, if you will, <laughs> to uh, winning the division. And therefore, if you're only the wild card, then you have to play once. And any, everybody knows in sports, anything can happen on one day. You can get a, right. a ridiculous bounce. You can get someone who just happens to get hot that day or a pitcher who dominates on a particular day. And then the whole season comes down to those nine innings. And uh, that's nerve-wracking for people in baseball. So it's like learning. Because you could have a great day in learning. You could really hop something. You could get it. You could understand it. And some days, you know, it's not, but you have to persevere That's correct. and continue and get up the next day and do it again and continue. Right. And, and you continue want that opportunity continue. to be able to do it again and again and not just rely on being judged on one day, which is interesting, uh, segueing to Yom Kippur, but we'll hold on to that <laughs> right, but, uh, right. you know, for later. Uh, the, the, the big difference also is there are no losers when it comes to learning. Because, That's true. you know, you learn... Ten pages of something or one page you of something? You know what? What's interesting about Torah, of course, it's also, if you wanted to use the baseball analogy again, or the sports analogy, how you play the game is what's important. Right. This is true. This is true. So, okay, so they did a good job yesterday. It, I, I think I heard that between the two teams, they used a total, is this possible, of 19 pitchers? Would that be... That is definitely possible. I did not see that they, stat, but it's definitely a possibility. And they have to play again today. Teams. I don't think right. they're, right. They play they're off today. today. No, they're not. And they're playing one of the wild card teams, so uh, you know, so it's important for them to win these games. Right. And in this world of modern technology, uh, you and I were able to coordinate this morning's show and plan it a couple of days ago, while you were uh, while you were uh, in in two different worlds. Yes, indeed. I was sitting uh, in the stands at Yankee Stadium with my with two of my boys, and it was a. Uh, you know, it, 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 uh, maybe I'll hold off on this thought also for, okay. uh, you know, for our Yom Kippur discussion because there is something about it that, uh, that ties in again. That's absolutely fine. I think we're going to go to – Mayor Furtick, uh, who co-hosted with me last week, uh, gave me this, uh, this next piece, uh, Unisana Toka, from the Achva album. It goes back many, many years, and uh, it is something that uh, we're playing for the first time on JM Sunday. I'm not sure if Nachmas played it on JM in the AM, but I, I believe he uh, he will. And uh, and it is, uh, it, like I said, it goes back many years. I don't even know exactly when it's from, but I understand that it is a uh, nice piece. I heard it. It's very nice. So we're going to play that now. And then we'll, uh, we'll hear some words of Torah wisdom from you, Rabbi Hagler, on Yom Kippur. So here is on JM the AM, Unasanatokef from Achva.
music uh, from Achva Unasana Tokev here on uh, JM Sunday. Matas Weingast, Rabbi Chaim Hagler, together on this uh, seventh day in the month of Tishrei, just a couple of days before Yom Kippur. Uh, I have some more information. We talked about Mrs. Newman before, and the funeral actually is scheduled to take place uh, Israel time at 6.15. So I think I was off in my, uh, my timing uh, in terms of where what time it is here, what time it is there. But it's scheduled to take place 6.15 tonight at the Eretz HaChayim Cemetery. So that is, uh, again, if it's uh, if it's 2.22 right now, that's in about four hours from now. Right. Uh, scheduled to take place over there. And I can see from information I'm receiving that a uh, number of former brewery students, brewery graduates, are expecting to... Uh, to head over there and uh, to be part of that. You uh, you have some thoughts on the upcoming holiday of Yom Kippur. Is this a tune that you would use uh, for, for Yom Kippur? Or? This particular tune is not something I use. Everyone's got their own, uh, especially with Sanatokev, which is for, for Ashkenazim, uh, one of the highlights of, uh, of the tefillah. Interest, interestingly enough... Apparently, the Spartan don't uh, have this as part of their liturgy right. when it comes to, uh, which is hard to imagine. Then, you know, as an Ashkenazic Jew, how Unasana Tokev is not part of part of their uh, their service is um, curious, right. if you will. Well, we we certainly know the story as we as we read it as to how Unasana Tokev came about. Right. Uh, interestingly, as you as you mentioned, Spartan don't have that tradition to have it, and. There are other sources that seem to indicate that Unasanatogif might be much older than we suppose, and might have come about in a different way. But you know, we have our, our our uplifting story about how it came about, and right. uh, it is certainly one of the highlights. What did you want to share with us? So at the end of the Unasanatogif, we have the famous Usashuvo Svilo Tztaka Mavir Nesorag Zera. And when I was... Uh, Preparing the davening and thinking about that, and I thought about the order that it's placed in, and said to myself, perhaps uh, it could have been placed in any order. Uh, is there a, a reason for the specific order? It could have been utstaka, uh, utfila, uchuva, or, or any way you would like to place it. So the fact that it was done in this order made me think that there's got to be a reason why it was put together this way, and a reason, uh, I don't know if it's the reason, but a reason that I, that I, uh, that I would think of is, is as follows, is that these really indicate three different uh, parts of a person and their process and their relationships. First, you have tshuva, which really is about improving oneself. So it's really about who you are, what you are, improving yourself in any area that you can, just taking a look inside, being introspective, and saying, I have to change. I have to be different. It's your relationship really between you and yourself. And after you have solidly gotten a handle on your relationship with you and yourself, you can then move in the, into the tefillah aspect, which is how you build your relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how you connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We know that, that, that Hashem doesn't need our, our tefillah, so to speak, but it's all about our connection. It's all about where we, where we are in our relationship between man and God. And that's the second step. Once you have yourself and you know where you're going, you know that you need to strengthen your relationship with God. And finally, the last step is once you've strengthened yourself and you've strengthened your relationship between you and God, then you begin to understand 
the need for the mitzvah of tzedakah. And it's only through that understanding that you'd be willing to give tzedakah. After all, why should I share my money, my hard-earned money, with someone else who, who is perhaps not working as hard or perhaps is down on his luck? That's his problem, not my problem. Um, but this tells us, and the Torah tells us, and, and our davening tells us, that no, once you've mastered, you understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has created all the Brios, all the people, uh, equally. And whatever we have is simply because HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave it to us, and He's also commanded us to share it, and to give a certain percentage of what we have. And that's the third part, the tzedakah, that between us and our fellow man. So there's there's ourselves, there's the Ben Adam Lamakom, and there's the Ben Adam Lachavero. Very interesting tie-in. Of all of that, something to think about, uh, and that idea uh, probably can permeate much of the davening in terms of how one sees himself or herself on on this day. Right, absolutely. It's very nice. Uh, what do you think about when you uh, when you're davening? Is there anything? I tell you what I think about, and my, my wife has always said to me, um, uh, think about all the people who really need something whether it's a refuah, which is the obvious, whether it's a couple that's been married for a very long time and they don't have any children, uh, whether it's someone who's really down in terms of he's been out of work for, for, for a long time or she's been out of work for a long time. Those are the kinds of things that my wife puts into my head. And, of course, uh, for our immediate family and asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu to watch over our immediate family, um, that is something that is extremely important um, and, you know, just to tie it back to, uh, to uh, what we talked about earlier in terms of Mrs. Newman, one of the um, recurring themes, uh, again, at the Leviah was that Mrs. Newman always talked about how she was going to take care of Hashem's children and she would ask Hashem to take care of her own children. Wow. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a lot of what I think about. Then, of course, I think about, am I getting the tune right? <laughs> right. Um, what's the next of song? Of course. Um, how do I fit this in properly? <laughs> And I used to know my, my entire machzor is annotated oh, okay. uh, with all kinds of hints for myself that make sense to nobody else except for me, okay. um, which makes me remember what tune I want to use where, or, you know, the nusach is the nusach. And actually, with, even within the nusach, one of the tough things is in the very long paragraphs is to be able to, to know where to go up, where to kind of do a little bit of an ending, where to, right. where to you know, have people join you, uh, et cetera, and kind of mix it up, mix and match. Which also is true as you, as you do, let's say, the whole maminim, which you have, you have many of them, or masay alokenu, um, which you want to mix it up between between saying them with the nusach and singing some nice tunes that will invigorate and inspire the the, the tzibur. Uh, it's a, it is certainly a a, a tough uh, uh, balance, if you will, and, and it's an important one because, as uh, I heard Rabbi Siegel say, uh, the chazan has that ability to to affect change in people and to really make an impression and uh, one who keeps it exciting and, 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 and gets the Tzibor the involved uh, is I think one that's going to be successful. So those, those are some of the thoughts. Do you sometimes change on the fly if, uh, if you feel, if you hear that the congregation is singing along with you? Uh, will, you uh, will you change, maybe say more of the Vukal Mamidim than question. say it? Uh, or, or really, do you have to focus on what you're prepared to do? Right. That's interesting. The re- it's, that's a great question. Um, I think I can't think of too many times when I've actually gone on the fly. Um, but your point is actually perhaps a little bit different, is that once you hear that something is going well, would you make it go a little longer than you would have? Perhaps. The only, the only risk you run 
um, is since you haven't practiced to fit in the words properly, um, you might be left with what my grandfather used to call a doodle doodle. <laughs> Where you know you have no words left, and you just have to kind of throw in, the, just, just you know, sing the tune or IAIs or whatever, where they don't really belong. Right. So uh, right. that's that's the risk that you run. Well, do, do you make eye contact with the rabbi at that time, and they, <laughs> you, you kind of uh, know who's going to be leading what and right. help you along with that? Right. Uh, it might uh, it might help. There are always some key people in the zebra, by the way. There are always some key people who you know when you need that, you know, they're going to give that IAI at the end. You know that thing, th- those things that you as a chazan get a little bit of an opportunity to rest, and you know you can rely right. on some people to help you out. And what about the other way? Do you ever get surprised that uh, suddenly the tzibur is, uh, oh, yeah. the congregation is, is continuing to sing what you just done, and you're ready to continue? <laughs> it's like Absolutely. You have to just let them, Absolutely let them play it out. Let them, right. You know, because right. it's part of the, uh, I mean, if they're so uplifted at that moment, then, Right, let them go. Let them go. Let go with it. Correct. Uh, we're going to go back to some music. Uh, in the last half hour, I want to, Go back and talk about uh, your role as the assistant principal at a school, and uh, it's the beginning of the school year, still being a school year. Yes, and uh, talk a little bit about that, and, and some thoughts and ideas about uh, students coming into the beginning of a school year. Uh, we're going to hear from who do we have up? We have Do Levine with uh, Vahaviosim, also a um, great one, a very uh, very important uh, part of Tefillah. Here on JM Sunday. Thanks everyone for listening. It's 8:31 on the East Coast. Matas Weingast, Chaim Hagler, here on JM Sunday.
J.M. Sunday, 8.34 in the morning. That was the music by Dove Levine. We'll get back to some more music very shortly and uh, try to put in as many songs as we can, get in as many songs as we can. Tomorrow morning, Monday morning, Nachum Siegel will be on J.M. in the A.M., 6 to 9 A.M., 91.1 F.M., 90.1 in the Catskills, jmtheam.org on the stream. There are many ways of listening to the stream. It's a 24-hour-a-day stream, and uh, this is just one of them. To listen here on the stream at jmtheam.org, nachamsegel.com. Uh, as I mentioned last week, we're going to try and bring you an update of what goes on in the Israeli cabinet meeting, the weekly Israeli cabinet meeting, which takes place on Sundays. And uh, this uh, this Sunday, just a few hours ago at the meeting, Prime Minister Netanyahu stated that the Egypt, the Egypt border fence that Israel uh, had built prevented the recent attack by Sinai-based Islamist group from being more lethal. As we all know, one IDF soldier was killed and three terrorists were killed in the attack. And it seems that the the fence may have prevented the attack from becoming far worse. Our condolences, of course, to the family of the soldier that was killed. And uh, it's certainly a a difficult time of year for uh, for everyone in Israel. And... uh, we are on uh, a heightened state of security around the world, more vigilant as uh, things have gone on uh, around the world recently. We, we remember the Yom Kippur War, which uh, happened in 1973, was it? Yes, it was. And uh, we certainly look to a much quieter year this year. It's interesting. I was talking to uh, Rabbi Oratz yesterday, who actually is my direct boss. Uh, Rabbi Joe Oratz, Oratz is the principal of the Berea High School for Girls. Correct. And he's a good friend as well. Yes. Um, a, a truly uh, wonderful man and a great mechanic. Um, and we were just talking about he was, uh, he was in his year in Israel in 1973. And he said that that davening he has doesn't have so many memories of because slowly people started leaving and, wow. and, and, you know, the only people left were the Americans and, you know, the older, the older Israelis, uh, but anyone, you know, in army age, meaning in Israel from 18 to, I don't know, 45 or something like that was, uh, you know, was, were, they were being called away and being called up to the, the to the battlegrounds. And it was, uh, and it was, a, he said he did not know the desperate situation uh, when he was there, right. um, he did. He was not aware uh, as he was living through it. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, he said uh, he told me that he took a, there were no buses running because all the this bus drivers Kipper. were, were people. Oh, uh, uh, right. At, well, I'm talking about after Yom Kippur. Right, right. Was, after Yom Kippur, he was going to visit. He told me his sister, who was in Beersheba. So he uh-huh. said I, he said I was going to the war, <laughs> you know, without even realizing oh, it, wow. and knowing what it was like. And again, he said he tramped his whole way from Yushalayim to Beersheba, which is quite a little bit of a, of a trip. Sure. Um, but that's that was a situation back then, and I just want to mention, if I can, uh, I believe the quote is from from Elie Wiesel, who talks about the fact that we couldn't live here in America securely if there wasn't a country of Israel. Right. Absolutely. Therefore, even though we're not there, we need to appreciate and understand and connect, um, and certainly uh, uh, feel the pain uh, when right. someone uh, is 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 is. Uh, killed and maimed, and, and uh, I understand, I think that the soldier was from Nofi alone, and 
Uh, the reason I, 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 that hits home a little bit is because my son is studying Shalavim this year, uh-huh. uh, which, of course, uh, is the community where, where Nofi alone, where, where it's right next to Nofi alone, etc. And certainly we pray for uh, the state of Israel and its protection and for Hashem to grant security and safety there. We say that in our davening every Shabbos. And bring Moshiach okay. as soon as we can so yeah. we can... Uh, yes. Have a lot more protection. Absolutely, we can do the show from Israel. Absolutely, along with Jamie and the Am, get the stream over there, and yeah, it's good. I, I understand that Moshe's going to be broadcast on. on uh, okay, let's not let's not go too far. Uh, maybe I mean, I, yeah, I, I think could, so. Why it not? Could be. That's not Why a not? joke. It could You're be. right. You're this is a correct. medium. This is using modern technology in the in the mode. Like we know, in anything in life, you can have things that are used for positive and things that are used for negative. Right. So technology can go both ways. Right. And I'm just kidding around you know. because I believe it was Rabbi Goldwasser who many times oh, has really? said on the air to Nachum when he comes into the studio every once in a while. We talk about, and, and besides just his giving his uh, his morning physic when he talks about the show and the reach and the importance of it, and he has said that. Uh, that, that it will be a, a vehicle, a mechanism to announce Mashiach to the world. Baruch Shekivanti. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, since since uh, we, we spoke about the fact that you're from Berea, you're assistant principal, and we mentioned almost everyone else in the administration. I don't want to forget Mrs. Skripka, who also is an assistant principal. I she believe. is, and she is uh, absolutely wonderful. She is the she works with the ninth and tenth graders, and what's so unique about that is she is such a a motherly figure. She is so the perfect person to deal with incoming freshmen who, as we all know, are, you know, just racked with nerves, are, are, are so nervous about the beginning of high school. It's such a different experience, especially a lot of these girls. I was having a conversation actually with a junior last year who mentioned to me that when she was in her eighth grade class, she was it, you know, she was the smartest. She was, and then she came to Bruria and she suddenly realized that her whole class was filled with people like her. Um, as one example, and then there's the social pressure of making new friends, and will they like me, and and and, and you'll let anybody say anything to me, and am I going to make new friends? So it's really uh, she's the perfect person, and she serves that role so so well. All right now, you're being in Berea, you could certainly speak to what goes on there, but if you could take a few moments and, and make it a little bit more global, because uh, that's one of the things I wanted to discuss with you today. Certainly, students entering high school, beginning of the year. Uh, with uh, with the first month being broken up with uh, with the holidays next year, by the way, do you see next year's calendar? Yeah, next year. I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> I, I think you should start in October. <laughs> right. start it's in either October. starting in August or yeah, starting or in October July or July or who knows. Right. Uh, and it makes the uh, acclimation, I guess, a little bit more difficult when it's broken up and the scheduling and whatnot. But uh, in this day and age, you have a lot of people who are more tuned to what what their issues are, what their problems might be. Uh, they're more willing to uh, seek help, guidance, uh, instead of just uh, trying to plug through. And I imagine, uh, you can fill us in on this, that probably all schools, all these shivas nowadays, have uh, people in the schools to go to uh, that, that a student can seek out to, uh, to ask for help, to sit with counselors and whatnot. Absolutely. I would say that's probably one of the biggest changes in the Chinuch in the last 10 years. Um, the, I, all schools are, are, are dealing with that in, in, in different ways. I would say most schools have some sort of program in place with great advisors or, you know, mechanchem or mechanchot or Torah guidance or whatever they might call it in their particular school. But teachers who take on extra responsibilities 
of meeting with kids one-on-one. And then on top of that, there's really the professionals. Every school at this point realizes the need and are gro- they're growing their, their counseling department, whether it's adding a school psychologist that they never had before, whether putting on another one or two people in the guidance department, whether it's college guidance or Israel guidance. There's no doubt that you cannot run a high school today, uh, you know, a, a, a orthodox high school with, without making sure that you have these people in place on so many, uh, on all these different levels. That support staff has to be there because the students are there to learn, but they also grow, they mature, and uh, a teacher can't always uh, be attuned to all those aspects and be able to help in all those. But I also imagine that over the last 10 years, you said the role of the teacher has grown in, uh, in noticing certain things and being more aware of what to look for uh, to guide students to the appropriate uh, right. facilities? I would say that, again, in terms of training teachers, that's something that, that, that administrators in schools have been doing, um, whether it's dealing with, uh, unfortunately, substance abuse problems, whether it's dealing with bullying problems, um, whatever it is, it's, it's out there, and, and, and yeshivas are no longer um, burying their heads in the sand, bar Hashem, um, and are really approaching these things head-on. Um, and I would say just one more thing that I think has changed in the Chinuch and, and has to be dealt with in every school is dealing with it is, is, the, is what we mentioned before, technology and how to best make use of it uh, because our, our students are all using technology in one way or another, no matter what uh, part of the, uh, circ- the religious uh, spectrum you, you, you fall under. Um, technology is a reality, and it needs to be dealt with, and it also needs to be incorporated in a positive way uh, for the students because, because it is something that is exciting and can really enhance their education. Um, and there's lots of uh, uh, discussion now in the, in, in the literature about uh, blended learning, about talking about uh, how, to, how to use uh, computers uh, and online courses together with teachers uh, and making that something that, that is uh, uh, popular in schools. I seem to recall that uh, when... Uh, our boys were in JC. There was one uh, uh, year-end uh, or calendar year-end uh, father-son program, and I think it was Rabbi Harwitz who spoke. Uh, he's a noted author. I, I forget his uh, I forget his first name now, but he spoke. And one of the things he said was that uh, regarding technology, if you're using technology, that if your if your child has an iPhone. Then and you let your child have an iPhone or whatever smartphone, then you have to have one as a parent. If your child has a computer and knows how to use it, then you should have one and right. use it. Uh, and again, like you said, whatever the stream of uh, of usage, you know, whatever you you your own uh, personal ideas are not advocating. If you don't use one, start to use one. It's whatever you decide. But if you are using one, you're letting your children use it, then you should know what they're doing. Right. Uh, besides just knowing what they're doing and control, you should also be able to talk their language. And I dare say the same applies to almost anything. If you know that your your children are learning certain things in school, if you're able to uh, maybe you know pick up a little bit on that uh, and be able to have the, the more that you can relate to your children, I guess is what I'm trying to say is right. probably the better uh, the atmosphere at home and the better that you can see what is what is going on. Uh, I know there in the yeshivas time is certainly limited and there are many um, father son or mother-daughter learning programs that take place for Judaic studies. 
there are very few times where you'll have a science sit-in, for instance, where a science teacher will come and teach a class to parents and children. Uh, I'm not sure if that's something that uh, you know would be helpful also, that type of thing, or anybody would be interested in it. Well, it's but, interesting. One, one, we do have a program in Berea um, where there is an, an evening where it's called uh, Science and Halacha. Um, and there's a presenter, and every you know it's done it's done uh, every other year. Right. Um, and uh, this year is the year for that. Uh, the other year of the cycle is a career night. Um, so there is you know just again getting back to the uh, Buria connection, we do have that there, and I'm, and I'm sure that many schools in some form uh, will touch on it. But you're right, not as much as as uh, as some of the other things. But uh, again, you're yeshiva first, and therefore the the main focus is uh, is, uh, is Torah, of course, and it's best when Torah and science complement one another, uh, which we know is, is, is what the point of science and halacha is pointing that out. Right. We're going to go back to some music now. Uh, another Dove Levine selection, Uva Shofar, another integral part of the uh, of the davening. Here on JM Sunday, thanks for listening, everyone. Matis Weingast, Chaim Hagler. It's 847, 848 in the morning on the East Coast, JM Sunday,
Vashofar, Dov Levine, here on JM Sunday, coming up at 8.55 in the morning, getting ready to close out this morning's show, our pre-Yom Kippur show, Matis Weingast, Rabbi Chaim Hagler. Rabbi, thank you for joining me again. Thank you this morning. Um, In in an instant, what would you uh, suggest to people be their first, their, their thought going into Yom Kippur? I think the thought would be to to uh, try to improve in one area very slightly, and I, I mean that uh, because otherwise it, things seem too gr- too great and it becomes overwhelming. One little thing I had a Rebbe who once said to me, "You know what Shuva is? Shuva is saying the first line of the first paragraph of benching from a bencher with kavana. That's Shuva." Wow, wow! And then continuing that throughout the year. Add right. another line after that, right. another line after right. that. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. We're going to end up today's show with Zacharin L'chaim by Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach, and following that, of course, Atikva, and then the great JM programming and stream programming on the Nachum Siegel Network coming up at 9 o'clock with the Book of Life uh, with Charlie Harari and continuing throughout the day. Thank you again so much for listening. Matas Weingast, Chaim Hagler here with you on a Sunday morning. We'll be back next Sunday with an Erev... Sukkot show, and uh, I don't know, maybe I can entice uh, Rabbi Hagler to come join me again. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but uh, we wish you and your family a Gemach uh, Simatova, good uh, Yom Kippur, good Yom Tov, and an easy fast. Thank you, same to you and yours. Thank you.